Welcome to the Black Sparrow Media Internet Broadcast Network. Everybody and welcome to episode number one hundred and sixty of Linux in the Ham Shack. My name is Russ. I'm K five TUX, and across from me is Cheryl. Maybe I'm not across from you. Yeah, you did that joke last week. Yeah, I know. I, I maybe you're just imagining things. <laughs> no, I don't think I am. So, are you across from me? Maybe. Maybe. Okay. You need to speak a little closer to the microphone. Sorry. That's okay. All right, and we are once again without Pete V2XPL. I think he's just abandoned us. I think he might have. We'll we'll see what's happening with him maybe later on. But that being said, we're going to move on. We're going to do a show all by our little lonesomes. Aw. That's okay. We'll get through it. We always do. You have three dogs to help. Yeah, well, let's hope they don't help too much. (laughs) So anyway, we're going to jump right in and start with our amateur radio topics for the evening. And the first one is Ramsey Kits calls it quits. Ah, disappointing. Actually, I used to have an awe sound effect, but I don't have that anymore. I have to find that one again. You lost it. No, it's it's around somewhere. It's just not handy. I see. So anyway, after more than 40 years as a purveyor of inexpensive electronic kits for hobbyists, the Ramsey Hobby Kits group has thrown in the towel. Effective on January 1st, 2016. The Ramsey RF Test Equipment Group is unaffected by this change. Quote, we end our heritage with a smile, not a frown, and say thank you to all our customers and fellow hobbyists. Ramsey's announcement said, the Victor New York company sold a wide array of hobby kits over the years, starting with its LED Blinky kit in the 1970s, and eventually including simple ham radio transmitters and receivers, aircraft band receivers, and other devices. Ramsey kits were frequently available at ham fests and probably still are if anyone has them lying around in their cellars or whatever. So, no more Ramsey Hobby Kits. Aw, uh, poor Ramsey Hobby Kits. Yeah, well, times yeah. are changing. Yeah, they are changing. It probably means that all the people who still have them are going to make more money when they try and sell them the next time. Hmm, so Probably. But anyway, I got that story from the ARRL, and the announcement you can actually find at www.ramseyelectronics.com. That's... Romeo Alpha Mike Sierra Echo Yankee. That's how you spell Ramsey. With that, I guess we'll move on to our second story. And since your mic is working right now, we'll let you do it. Yeah, we'll watch. It's going to die in the middle of this one. Or I'm going to choke to death one or the other. Okay, so the next story is Foundation for Amateur Radio invites scholarship applications. The Foundation for Amateur Radio Incorporated, FAR, invites applications for the 2016-2017 academic year for the 46 scholarships it administers. All applicants must hold a valid amateur radio license and be enrolled or accepted for enrollment at an accredited university, college, or technical school. Applicants attending school outside the U.S. must provide a brochure describing the school. Students do not apply for specific scholarships. Each application will be considered for all of the scholarships for which the applicant is qualified. Applications must be submitted by April 15th, although applications may edit their applicants may edit their applications until May 7th. And that story was found on the AWRL website. That's very true. Of course, the link to all these stories will be be in in the the show show notes. notes. 
because we don't read the whole story. We just read parts of the story. So if you want to follow up, that's where you go to follow up. So continuing on, we have one more story in our amateur radio segment for the evening, and that is an ARRL video that explains the Amateur Radio Parody Act. This is something we've talked about on the show a few times before, and it is garnering more popularity as time goes on. With the debate still going on about the Amateur Radio Parity Act, House Resolution 1301 and Senate Bill 1685, the ARRL has taken it upon itself to release a video to those who would be opposed to the measure. The amateur radio community and disaster recovery groups like the Red Cross and FEMA strongly support the measure as they realize the need for stable communications during times of emergency. However, cookie-cutter HOA policies, which are rampant in the United States today, prevent many homeowners from putting up antennas of any kind, even hidden ones, as I've come to find out. The ARRL does a good job of putting the information out there, but they also claim that the act would still allow HOAs to have final say over amateur radio antennas, which makes me, K5TUX, personally wonder if the resulting law will be ultimately toothless. Um, How do they know if your antenna's hidden? Well, it's not like your neighbor couldn't come over and look under your eaves or in your attic or something and say, oh, there's a, there's an antenna there. And people, people find out stuff. You know that. And people are jerks. People are jerks. I think HOAs are jerks, quite frankly. Yeah. Well, we know somebody that's living in one right now. Well, two people actually. Well, I kind of got from the video that more people are living in HOAs than ever before. And it's almost like anytime a subdivision goes up, they they have a blanket HOA right? Uh, and, and uh, covenants and restrictions and everything that are just automatically put in place, whether they make sense or not. So, Well, apparently the local or one of the local HOAs told somebody on the 27th day of December, it was time to get the Christmas decorations down. Yeah. <clears throat> Good I'm, thing we don't live in one. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of, of HOAs and people telling me what to do with my badger, basically, so... That was a badger comment right there. Uh, yeah, it was. Remember, we have to up our badger quotient. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. So I'm going to have to change the, the title on the website so that it says 4% more badgers. That way we retain our listenership. Well, yeah, because that, that was a problem last yeah, week. Apparently so. So the rest Sorry. of it's yours. What do you mean the rest of it's mine? I don't do Linux stuff. Open you, source you stuff. You can read Linux stories if the, mm-hmm. if the entire story is there, like the second one. I see. So I'm going to let you do the second one, but I'll do the first one and the third one. So anyway, moving away from amateur radio topics, we're going to jump on to open source topics. And the first one is a great resource that I just found out today, and I'm not sure why I didn't know about it before, but I believe that all of you should know about it now, and that is linuxconfig.org. I found out about it by way of another person's blog, and I can't remember whose blog it is now, but if I can remember that eventually, I'll put it in the show notes. What I found out is that this site has blog posts, essentially, that are mini tutorials on how to do random things in Linux. And it's really cool. Plus, it's a searchable index of things. So if you're trying to figure out how to do a specific thing in Linux, you can just search for it and you'll probably find the thing you need. Most of these are command line based things, like you would need to open up a terminal window and type some commands to do the things that these tutorials talk about. But the nice thing about them is each tutorial gives you the actual step-by-step text instructions of like literally what you have to type, you know, at the command prompt, what it does and why you're, why you're doing it. Uh, the very thorough tutorials. 
So rather than try and uh, explain this any further by me just rambling on about linuxconfig.org, I actually went and did a few that might be of interest to our listeners and kind of give you an overall idea of what information might be found there. The first one I found was one called Configure Anonymous Internet Browsing on Fedora Linux with Tor and Privoxy. This is something we've actually mentioned on the show before using Tor, which is called the Onion Router, to do anonymous browsing on the internet. We've always said, you know, if you want to sort of hide your, your tracks when you're on the, on the internet, you can do that. When you're browsing the web, you have to use Tor. But we've never said how to use Tor. And it's not the easiest thing to set up. It's not very intuitive. But if you go to linuxconfig.org, you can find a tutorial that actually walks you through step-by-step on how to set up Tor in your environment. So you could get that working with just a few keystrokes and away you go. Another one I found was uh, how to blacklist a module on Ubuntu Debian Linux. This is something you might need if you have like a proprietary driver for a video card and you need to blacklist the open source version, for example. You may not have any idea how to prevent a module from loading on boot up and this tutorial walks you step-by-step on how to do that. I found another one on how to obtain laptop battery information and charging state on Linux. This is something that probably affects a lot of people, and you might be really interested if you're running Linux on a tablet or a notebook, what state your battery is in, you know, whether you only have 5% battery life, so on and so forth. Uh, This is a tutorial that shows you how to get that information. And then finally, if you want to take a deeper dive into Linux, Uh, and go into a really in-depth topic, they also have those. I found one that shows you how to set up a Docker virtual machine on your Linux box, whatever Linux box you might have, and in that Docker virtual instance, install asterisk and actually have a complete IP PBX set up inside a virtual machine using Docker, Linux, and asterisk. Again, a full step-by-step tutorial on how to get this all working, so... There's uh, high-level information, there's low-level information, but everything is really well-documented and really thoroughly well-presented. So if you want a great Linux resource, you should check out linuxconfig.org. So now Cheryl's going to read the next story, because actually all the text is all there, and all you have to do is read it. I just have to read it. You just have to read it, yep. Wow, maybe I don't know how to read. Well, that's a problem. Yes, it is. You know where I went to high school, though. (laughs) We won't say anything. <laughs> okay, so our next story is what's new in Linux Mint 7.3, 7.3, excuse me, Rosa. Rosa's new features have made Linux Mint faster and more reliable than before. These features include, but are not limited to, major improvements to its system for choosing PPA mirrors. Installing system applications and doing updates are now faster because the speed test is performed from your our country mirror then from your neighboring countries, and then the subregion, and then other regions around the world. The fastest and most up-to-date mirrors then selected for your update needs. That's nice. Mm-hmm. The Smart Update Manager has become smarter. It warns you if your mirror is not up-to-date, corrupted, or if a faster mirror is available. MDM has fixed issues with high DPI displays, and touchscreen support has also improved. now comes with an upgraded Linux kernel, X11 system, and Mesa drivers that improve hardware support. Kernel 4.2.0 is also 
but be cautious with it if you're using proprietary drivers. At the moment, FGLRX and Indus wrapper are reported to be non-functional in that version. Fixes are expected by February 2016. Other improvements include an updated driver manager, redesigned welcome screen, LibreOffice 5 support, multiple graphics card support, and the addition of KDE 4.14 desktop environment. And that information came from Linux and Ubuntu.com. That's pretty cool. And I was actually updating your computer earlier and realized that you have Linux Mint on your machine. It's a slightly older version than this one. I, I didn't really worry necessarily about updating Mint on your machine. If if it was a really old version of Debian, then I had my doubts. But it wasn't, so it Yay. all went smooth, and now you're using your machine again. Yay. Well, I've always been using my machine. It was just giving me fits. You're right. It was just giving you problems, and you're having issues with the browser being old and old versions of... Everything. Well, yeah, pretty much everything. Flash and Java and yada, yada, yada. Yeah. So now it's all taken care of, and we're all back to normal. So if you're if you're using Mint 17.3, it looks like a good update choice. So you should do that as soon as possible, because it looks like it has some great options for you. All right, and the last thing I had in the Linux world or open source world for the evening is a quick tutorial on the use of the utility f disk this is a utility that most people are aware of if you use linux but even if you aren't aware of it most of the file system uh, manipulators like gparted and stuff like that actually use f disk or something similar to it underneath and this of course is for managing your file systems and your partitions I found a cool tutorial that kind of walks you through the various parts of FDisk. It's at makeuseof.com, and a link, of course, will be in the show notes. Uh, But it gives you some actual commands that are useful to you, like if you actually go into a command window and you want to find out what partitions are on your disk, you can type fdisk-l. It'll list all the file systems that are currently on your disk. You can use fdisk and specify a specific device like slash dev slash sda or sdb or something like that to access a menu-driven interface, which will walk you through creating new partitions, deleting existing partitions, renumbering partitions, retyping partitions, so on and so forth. And some basic ideas on how to use those functions are included in this tutorial, how to create a partition resize one actually resizing is a a little more advanced uh, than fdisk can handle but it's something that can be done using parted for example how to delete partitions how to write the partition table sync your partitions so they're actually read by the kernel uh, stuff like that Uh, how to create file systems on your new partitions that's included in this and it doesn't go into like it doesn't go into file system specifics, like, for example, how to tune the journal for an ext3 or ext4 file system or set flags for, you know, file system checking uh, after a certain number of reboots or a certain number of time and stuff like that. So it's more basic information. But if you want to get down a little bit into the command line and take a look at how to use a simple utility for managing your file systems on your Linux system, this is a very nice tutorial, and it gives you a good idea of FDisk, the utility, what it is, what it does, how it does it, and how it manages your file systems. Something for someone who's maybe a little afraid of the command line, perhaps, to uh, just kind of jump in and get a feel for how some of this stuff works behind the scenes. All right, so that was our 
open source segment for the evening. We're going to jump into segment three, which is Linux in the Ham Shack, which is the name of our program. Yay. Wow, I must be at the wrong place. <laughs> no, I don't think you are. <laughs> and you actually get to read the first one, because, again, it's one of those ones that I don't have to fill in details on. So, Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. there you go. You'll survive. All right. So, for Linux in the Ham Shack, our first story is free version of QSO Secretary available now for Android. Headed out to field day, working soda, or making a casual QSO from the backyard? Try this free application. It has somewhat limited functionality, but still provides all necessary functions. QSO logging, previous contact checking, automatic ITU, CQ, territory, azimuth, distance, time calculation, grid square determination, and more. It also uses ADIF format for import and export. The utility makes use of the simple user-friendly on-screen experience to reduce the number of actions required for working with your contact details. In profile settings, you can select most used modes bands, which will then be displayed on the QS details entry, QSO details entry form. If the Android smartphone or tablet is held horizontally, more information can be displayed about the contact. And this information was found on the SouthgateARC.org website. Which, as we've said before, is a great place to find amateur radio news. They're out of the UK, and they publish some great stuff. I went and looked at QSO Secretary. It's a pretty straightforward app. It just gives you a list of your previous contacts. It has a fairly simple and intuitive interface. Uh, basically, once you set your preferred band and mode, it's just a matter of tapping in your call sign and your RST information, and it does all of the other information look up for you uh, using QRZ and uh, ITU and CQ zone determiners, uh, grid square locators, and all that kind of stuff. So uh, pretty nice mobile application, and of course it does support ADIF format for importing and exporting data to another logging application or for uploading to EQSL or Logbook of the World and so on and so forth. So very cool. And if you want to find out from the horse's mouth, you can go to qsosecretary.blogspot.se and that has links to the Google Play Store application itself where you can download uh, or you can just go to the Play Store on your Android device and get it there. So very cool. Yes. Yes. I, know, I miss our long-winded replies from Pete. That's I'm sorry. No, it's okay. That's that's what's missing here. Yeah. All right. Excuse me while I eat a grape. Enjoy your grape. Could you peel me one? No. <laughs> I used to do that for the cow. I refused to do it. Your cow was too damn picky. She was, but she wouldn't eat them with the skins on them. I trained her right. Well, yeah. She also drank Diet Dr. Pepper out of the two-liter bottle. Well, she obviously didn't know it was good for her. You like Diet Dr. Pepper? Yeah, only if you mix it with Malibu. Let's see. And I'm pretty sure you weren't giving Malibu to your cow. No, she wasn't getting any Malibu. She probably would have drank it, though. Oh, I bet she probably would have. And that would have been fun. Uh, no, not really. Until <laughs> she decided to relieve herself all over the house. <laughs> well, no, I. this was when she was outside in her corral, but she thought she was a big dog when she was a huge cow. And you know that because she bashed the door in on your truck. Yeah, I know. So. All right, so moving on from drunk cows, we're going to talk about OpenWebRx, an open source web SDR app for everyone, as they describe it of themselves. Uh, Software-defined radio refers to technologies that allow 
us to build radio receivers that sample radio signals and process them on a PC or an embedded system, or transmitters that can be built that generate the RF signals digitally, then convert it to analog. OpenWebRx, the result of a college thesis from Andras Retzler, Hotel Alpha 7, India Lima Mike, has a goal of popularizing SDR technology. With the help of a cheap USB DVB-T dongle, you can get into SDR easily. It allows you to listen to the radio signals around you, but it also lets you learn about DSP and code your own receiver. Using OpenWebRx, you can find SDR receivers that amateur radio operators share, so you can listen to radio signals without even having to buy SDR hardware at all. And uh, Ted in the chat room says, drunk cows are easier to tip. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they probably are. Uh, Anyway, that came from sdr.hu slash openwebrx. And I actually tried to get openwebrx working earlier today. I have a DVB-T dongle. I hooked it into my HamShack computer. I set up openwebrx. It's a bunch of Python scripts. And there is a nice tutorial at sdr.hu on how to download the necessary components and build them and then get it running. And I was actually able to connect via a web client, i.e. Chrome or Mozilla or, you know, Ice Weasel or whatever, uh, to the instance that I had running. But unfortunately, something wasn't quite working because I was not actually able to see the waterfall display from my DVP. T. That's either a problem with my dongle, my SDR dongle, or it's a problem with the application that I have not yet figured out. However, the web interface itself was working perfectly. I was just not receiving any audio from the dongle. So obviously the application is doing what it's supposed to. It uses the RTL SDR software, which you can get from the Debian or Fedora repositories, or you can, of course, download and build them manually from GitHub. And that is how the instructions tell you to do it. And they actually walk you through uh, the entire installation and configuration process. It's pretty straightforward. And it pretty much gives you a keystroke by keystroke description of how to set up all of the necessary applications. So if you want to check this out, it uh, is certainly pretty straightforward. And then SDR.hu also maintains a database of people who are using OpenWebRx that is searchable so other people can find your SDR when it's online and they can listen to it via a web interface wherever they happen to be in the world, which is a very cool idea. And it's a nice way to expose SDR and radio listening to folks no matter where they are from. We need we need commentary. We need color commentary. Sorry. Oh, it's it's not not your fault. It's our Slacker co-host's fault. I don't think our Slacker co-host likes us anymore. No, probably not. Sorry, eating another grape. Sour grape. I was having sour. Because I have sour grapes right now. I say whatever. Whatever. Let's see. Should I do this last one? I guess I can do this sure. last one. So finally, in our Linux in the Ham Shack segment for the evening, we have using Whisper for band analysis. In an article from AmateurRadio.com, Mike Weir, Victor Echo 3, Whiskey Delta Mike, writes about how he used WSJT-X and Whisper to determine good band propagation. Quote, I wanted to investigate band activity with relation to UTC time from my QTH using my MFJ1788 loop from the balcony. Weir writes, 
Based on signal reports on varying bands, he was able to determine what frequencies had showed good propagation and where contacts might be had on those bands. Based on his research, Weir determined, quote, My faith in 17 meters and 20 meters was uplifted a bit with some decent results, and once again, 30 meters seemed to be consistent. It would seem that 30 meters is the band for me to go to on evenings when I get in from work, unquote. Used in conjunction with other tools like dxheat.com and solar cycle reports, Whisper can be a powerful addition to any radio amateur's propagation forecasting toolkit. And that was kind of paraphrased from an article at amateurradio.com. The link, of course, will be in the show notes. Uh, it's a much more lengthy blog post than I've included here, and you're definitely going to want to go check out all of the things he talks about, uh, how he used Whisper and WSJTX to do some propagation forecasting for himself. Uh, I included dxheat.com because that is a pretty cool site. It has a built-in DX cluster, and it uses a heat map display to show you propagation based on DX spots uh, around the globe uh, on different frequencies and so on and so forth. So that's a cool utility. But one of the things I left out of this particular summary is that he was able to find propagation that didn't show up on broader forecasting tools like DX Heat using Whisper, which pinpointed contacts on bands at certain times of day that necessarily didn't show up on a heat map display or something that showed more overall coverage because Whisper actually does low wattage communication on a point-to-point basis around the globe. So if DXing is your thing, you might want to try using Whisper to pinpoint good contacts or where you can actually make contacts on certain frequencies at certain times around the globe. Check out the chat room here, talking about cows still. All right, so with that, and you know, since we don't have 20 minutes of diversions from Pete tonight, we're already kind of plowing down through our segments. With that, we've come to music, and I actually didn't put a link to the music in the, ch- in the uh, Etherpad, so I'm going to have to find it now and then actually post the link in the Etherpad so it winds up in the show notes, because that's useful. At least I think it's useful. And just before we jump to the music, we also have a comment from Ted in the chat room who says that HTTPS colon stroke stroke www.pskreporter.info is also a good web resource for propagation. So there, there's another weapon you can add to your arsenal of DXers. Your arsenal, your arsenal of DXing, I should say. Ted says it has many modes. I assume that means many modes other than PSK. All right, so after our early segments in the show, we're going to move on to the music. And the music this time around is by a Canadian group. And guess what? Pete's not here to enjoy yeah. a fellow country person's group. But you know what? That's just too damn bad. So this one's by a group called Steady Hustle. Uh, and we, of course, get this courtesy of Jamendo as we get most of our music on this show. It's a track called Stick Around. It was released as a single, so there's no associated album with it. The running time is just a hair under three minutes. It was released in August of last year, so fairly new music. And uh, I found this one really quickly on Jamendo as I was poking around today. And it's uh, rather a cool uh, guitar-heavy alternative rock track, so... Hopefully you all enjoy it. Here's Stick Around by Steady Hustle. Oh, yeah. 
consistent and keep it to myself. Steady Hustle with Stick Around. I like that. Yeah, that was pretty good, huh? It's not usually the type of stuff you listen to. What do you mean it's not this type of stuff? I listen to everything. Eh, whatever. Well, I kind of do. Eh, not really. No, I kind of do. You just don't always like the stuff I listen to. Eh, okay. All right. Well, at least you like that one. I'll take it. Yeah, usually it's metal. Not always. I got in my car yesterday, and it was on a metal station. Well, yes, it was. That's because you weren't in the car before that, so. This is why I don't let you take my car. Whatever. Whatever. Of course, when you get in your car, you always find it on classic rock or 80s, so. Which which I'm okay with that, actually. Oh, uh, yeah, that's true. All right, so moving on from the music, which apparently was a big thumbs up. Yay! From yeah. the peanut gallery. Thanks. <laughs> We're going to move on to our announcements and feedback section. So we've got a couple of announcements and we have some feedback. Our first announcement is that thanks to Cheryl pointing it out to me, and we're going to try and do a new merch outlet. Yay. We're going to use, well, we're going to try and use anyway, Spreadshirt.com that does t-shirts and other things. They, they don't have quite the category or they don't have quite the catalog that Cafe Press does, but they're... Uh, clothing options seem to be much more extensive and they actually seem to be fairly cheap by comparison. We're talking on the order of six to eight dollars per garment less than cafe press charges, which is pretty significant. So we don't have all the details of that worked out, but as soon as I get everything uploaded and a storefront created, I will put links and information about that on the website at lhspodcast.info. So hopefully people will be more inclined to help us out by buying merchandise because we'd like to have you know more of our merchandise out there. But Cafe Press has always been kind of a really expensive option, and I'm hoping that Spreadshirt works out better for us. The so. thing is, I am listed as a Spreadshirt business or you know business owner, and I don't remember why I created an account there because there's nothing in my account. I don't know if I was testing things out for Linux and the Ham Shack or for you know our blue cows stuff or what but because i don't have anything uploaded but right. they do have like t-shirts and 5x and stuff and hoodies and 5x and i would wear one of those because i love my hoodies 
So, however that works out, we'll let you know, and hopefully we'll have some uh, cool new merch options uh, in the next couple of weeks. Yay. So, we also have a couple of uh, bits of feedback from our friend Matt Williams. Uh, some of you may know him as Lord Drakenblut. Uh, others of you might know him as his new call sign, Kilo Delta 9, Bravo Whiskey Juliet. So very cool. There's also one more. One more what? One more name that he goes as. Uh, oh, Digital see. Dragon? You yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, that Lord D, Lord Dragon Blue, Digital Dragon, that's all kind of the same thing. Uh, he, he's doing the Open FOSS training, and he's he wanted us to let everybody know that he will be a Fedora ambassador at Scale 14X coming up in a couple of weekends so he wanted us to let you know that so that if you happen to be able to get out to pasadena california from the 21st to the 23rd of january you should hit up the fedora booth because lord d kilo delta nine bravo whiskey juliet will be out there manning it presume presumably with other fedora ambassadors or whatever so probably that's very cool he wants everybody to come out and say hello to him and we encourage that definitely now, uh, this next bit is voicemail we also got from Lord D. Uh, we listened to this earlier, and uh, you all didn't hear this, but before the podcast started, we were listening to a couple of tracks that were just released off of David Bowie's Black Star album. Uh, we were doing that, of course, because David Bowie passed away yesterday on January 10th, 2016. And it was, I don't know, kind of haunting to listen to both Blackstar and Lazarus. It was uh, clear he knew what was happening to him and that uh, this would be his last effort. And it was, uh, I don't know, I kind of felt like it was an album dedicated to what comes after. And we got feedback from Lord D, who, as some of you may know, and if you don't know, you're going to know shortly, uh, has been fighting stage four esophageal cancer for some time now. His prognosis has waxed and waned over the years, uh, but he sent us some feedback based on that. And considering its content and considering all things and considering the fact that I'm not necessarily a big fan of censorship in any form, I'm going to play this as it was recorded, and I'm going to leave it this way in the recording. So if you are sensitive to that kind of thing, I encourage you to skip forward about two minutes uh, and come back after that. But this this feedback that we got from Matt will not be edited in the final release. So let me go ahead and pull it up, and we'll listen to it now. Hey, Russ, Cheryl, Bill, anyone else listening? It's Lord Dragon Blue, the Digital Dragon, checking in. Um listening to some older episodes where you had mentioned someone had passed away. I just want to say, if you dare have the audacity to have a moment of fucking silence when my cancer gets me, not only will I come back and hunt you with badgers upon badgers upon badgers, but I will hunt you from the grave by making you listen to bubblegum pop. That's all you will hear. Everything you try to play will be bubblegum pop, and to make it worse, it'll be K-pop bubblegum pop. That's right, Korean bubblegum pop. So, no moment of silence for me. Fire up the metal and let's celebrate, buddy. This is Lord Drakenboot, the Digital Dragon, signing off. (sighs) I love him. Yep, he is a great guy, and he's been given a really raw deal. So I guess we're going to leave his words as they were, as they should be. 
and everybody will know, you know, his quote unquote moment of silence will be something metal. Yeah, it'll be a moment of metal. <laughs> I think is what it will be. Yeah, because I really don't want to be subjected to Korean bubblegum pop for the rest of my life. So. Well, but the thing is, we do need more badgers, and he promised more badgers. So well, we'll just have to get him to record something with badgers in it. I don't know. <laughs> All right, so anyway, that's from uh, Lord D, Kilo Delta 9, Bravo, Whiskey, Juliet. Thanks, and don't worry, no moment of silence will be had by us, but we will remember, for sure. Of course. So anyway, moving on, he also wanted us to remind you of something we think we mentioned on an episode probably four or five back, and that is the QRQCW website and the QRQCW YouTube channel. Uh, links to both of those will be in the show notes. And according to the QRQ blog, which is at qrqcwnet.ning.com, N-I-N-G.com, uh, the site and YouTube channel are described as gathering places for QRQ ops worldwide to share information and experience in pursuing QRQCW. And for those of you who don't know, QRQ means high-speed CW. So presumably 20 words per minute or faster, which is not something that I am able to participate in, but, you know, some people obviously can. I'm just not that good at it. Uh, Like I said, links to the YouTube channel where they talk about Linux and ham radio and all kinds of cool topics will be in the show notes. Uh, And they also have a really good blog, which I just gave you the URL for. And finally, in our announcements and feedback sections, we have some feedback and an email from Doug Reeder, Kilo 6, Mike X-Ray Zulu, who says, hi, Russ, I was wondering if you ever had a chance to install Lihalo Logbook. And if so, do you have any thoughts about the logbook? I have been using CQR Log. I like CQR Log, but like the idea of running a localhost logbook from a browser. I'm getting ready to dive and install using the installation instructions, but I am not really a terminal user. I'll give you a shout out once I figure out how to install it. Also, last two shows were excellent. Glad to see you back on the air. Life can be chaotic, and there is just not enough time. 7-3, Doug Reader, Kilo 6, Mike X-Ray Zulu, X-Kilo Fox 7, Sierra Juliet Echo. So thanks, Doug, for the feedback. And no, I have not gotten around to getting back to installing Lee Hollow. It's something I really want to do uh, because this is a project I actually wanted to do for myself. And I know that when we mentioned it last time, I said... I wanted to see where they were going with it so that I could either pursue my own project or jump on the Lahalo team. But as you say, life is chaotic. There's not enough time. And I personally have not gotten back to it. So if you get to it before me, please let me know. If I get to it before I hear from you, I will let you know. And uh, we will definitely let our listeners know any progress we find out about Lahalo. You can pencil it in sometime between 2 and 4 a.m. Or something like that. Yeah. All right, so while we're penciling things in, we're on to Cheryl's Recipe Corner. Yay! Yay! I picked a recipe you don't like. Okay, well, that's okay. They don't have to be all the ones I like. Well, I'm just saying. All right. So this time I picked Crock-Pot Chicken and Dumplings, and in the winter I am a huge fan of soup. I would probably live on soup if Russ would let me, but he tends to not want to eat soup all the time. But this is especially nice because you throw everything in the Crock-Pot, turn it on, and... You come home from work, and poof, you have crockpot chicken and dumplings. And the recipe includes uh, boneless chicken breast halves, skin, boneless skinless butter, uh, cream of chicken soup, cream of celery soup, 
some spices, garlic powder, poultry seasoning, onion powder, salt, pepper, some onion, some chicken broth, and a couple of packages or a couple of tubes of refrigerated biscuit dough that you tear into pieces. You chuck all that in the crock pot and poof, you have chicken and dumplings for dinner and rest didn't like it. Well, I'm just not a big fan of chicken and dumplings. There's just so much... The combination of the chicken protein and the sort of mushy bread combination, just not real appetizing to me. (sighs) I'm sorry. You can make it for yourself anytime you want. And you know what? You'll have leftovers twice as long. Yep. That's right. So you need to do that. I'll make you some Zuppa Toscana. Oh, if you're going to make me some Zuppa Toscana, then you make all the chicken and dumplings you want. I see. All right, so thank you for that. Of course, links and information will be in the show notes on uh, all that recipe, including the ingredients, the directions, and everything you need to make chicken and dumplings in a crock pot at your house. Just don't bring it to my house. Or at least if you're going to bring it to my house, let Cheryl eat it, and I'll have something else. So, Bologna sandwich. Uh, no, no. <clears throat> you're such a picky eater. No, I'm not. You were okay with the fried bologna, weren't you? Fried bologna is good, yes. Because it tastes like a hot dog. Yeah, pretty much. Anyway, moving on. We're at our social media roundup. So, yep, let's do it. Means we're almost done. We're done. Almost. Almost. So, this time for donations and subscriptions, we have Jeremy Hall, Scott Pettigrew, Robert Yerke, and Alan Wilson. On Facebook, we have Scott Berg, Terry McKean, and Ken Haynes. Nobody on Google Plus. Charlie7932 and Jeff Francis on Twitter. Nobody on YouTube, nobody on the mailing list, no merchandise sales, because we just did this thing a week ago. Yeah, because it's only been a week since the last one, so people don't pile on in a week. But we did have a few, so there you go. That's true. We have three people on Facebook. And I want to say hello to Alan Wilson, who is one of our uh, donations for this week, because I believe he is a new one. So, very cool. Yay! We always like when new people jump on. Of course, we appreciate all of the people who donate to our show in whatever way they choose to donate to it. Uh, whether it be monetarily or with feedback or just being here to listen to the show. That's, you know, they're all the same in my eyes. So very cool. Yeah, we need more feedback from Rich. We definitely need more feedback from Rich. We need more feedback from everybody. And you're going to find out how to do that here in just a second. So, okay. All right. With that, I believe the show is about over. So that means I have to push a button and we got to get like out of here. Yeah. Excellent. So here we go. Wrong button. Yeah. Wrong button. Anyway, this has been episode number 160 of Linux in the Ham Shack. Wow, 160 episodes. Probably could have done more since October of 2008, but, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. So, thanks everybody for listening. You can become an you can become an LHS ambassador. Visit the website for upcoming events and information on how you can represent Linux in the Ham Shack in a nearby Linux Connor Ham Fest. And real quickly, Rich KD0RG will be our ambassador at the North Colorado Area Radio Club Ham Fest. Uh, not this coming weekend, but the next one, the 21st. Same as uh, scale. scale. Yep. Uh, also, we love feedback. You can email us at info at lhspodcast.info, comment on an episode on the website, post on Google+, Facebook, or Twitter, or leave a voicemail. Voicemail. We like voicemail. one nine zero nine lhs show That's one nine zero nine five four seven seven four six nine. You can visit our IRC channel, hash LHS Podcast on the Freenode Network, and you can subscribe to our mailing list. 
Show merchandise from coffee mugs to t-shirts can be purchased at cafepress.com slash Podcast. And hopefully we've got a new site for that coming up soon. You can also help the show by clicking on the sponsored ads in the right-hand column of the homepage. Listen live every other Monday night at 8 o'clock Central Time. That's 0100 Zulu time on Tuesday morning, real early Tuesday morning. Our recording schedule and countdown timer to the next episode are on the website. You can check out lhspodcast.info for everything you ever wanted to know about the show. Thank you to all of our listeners, all of our subscribers, all of our donations, and whoever you are who hears this in the sound of my voice. Live, quasi-live, past, present, and future, we appreciate each and every one of you. This is Russ, K5TUX, and Cheryl, who sits across from me, even though she says she doesn't, (laughs) every other week from Southwest Missouri, and we will see you all in two weeks' time. Have a good one, people. play with that lizard you're gonna go blind